will begin with a reign of terror. A few murders here and there. Murders of great men, murders of little men. Just to show we make no distinction. We might even wreck a train or two. Just these fingers round a signalman's throat. That's all. Welcome to the Golden Age Horror Podcast. This week we're in part three of James Whale January, The Invisible Man. This is episode 13. Remember to stay tuned after the show for more information and credits, or check out our website, www.goldenagehorror.com. So we're going to talk about the 1933 James Whale-directed horror film, The Invisible Man, which stars Claude Rains and is based on the H.G. Uh, Wells novel of 1897. So this is a, uh, like I said, a directed by James Whale, which gives it uh, a decent pedigree. Yeah. At least, at least when you see it, you know it's a James Whale movie, you know that it's going to be at least somewhat intelligent. I mean, he made Frankenstein, right? He, and he directed Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yep, and that was like the best one so far. Yep, that was a good one. Um, the plot is is kind of is is close to the H.G. Wells novel. Um, the the main difference is that in the H.G. Wells novel there isn't any kind of. Um, I don't believe this would really give any kind of backstory to the Invisible Man's personal life. Is there a lot of slapstick in the H.G. Wells novel? There's I don't think yeah, I don't think there's any slapstick. He's just purely he's just purely murderous. Uh, but yeah. Like James Whale is definitely someone who, um, with a strong like comedic tone to his films, like he doesn't take them too seriously, and he's not above injecting humor into his movies. Well, I saw that he didn't he make also like a just a straight up dark comedy, uh, the old Dark House. Yeah, that yeah that one is gonna that was actually on our list. Um, but yeah, that I mean that one's. Sure, you, it's, you can call it a dark comedy, but it's really not. Like tonally, it's like identical to this, or even yeah. bits of bits of the Frankenstein movies. You know, like it's not like it's not like they're telling jokes the whole time. Okay, and no. actually, and actually, given the nature of the villain in the old dark house, without without going too much into it, it's probably a little bit more horrifying than to say the Invisible Man. Yeah, well, I I just remember watching. I was watching a little bit of the. It said, like, the making of The Invisible Man, and it mentioned that he made that, mm-hmm. which had, like, comedy elements to it. Yeah, I mean, they... it's I th- Or they positioned it as a dark comedy. Yeah. I I, I know that... Uh, I mean, you, yeah, it's it's called a comedy all the time. I just think that if you actually... If you if you watch it, like, with a fresh modern eye, it, it really isn't different from this movie at all, like, in tone. Because there... I mean, there's... I, yeah, I guess it's heavier. Well, we're, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get too much into the old dark house because we're gonna give it that one its own episode anyway. But yeah, yeah, it's just, it's. But yeah, the point is that he um, he freely mixes horror and comedy. Right. 
But uh, back to the Invisible Man itself. Yeah. I don't think that I didn't like that part though. What the, the comedy, comedy bits? Yeah. I don't think they're too strong. I don't think they're very funny. No, they. I mean, they're really not. There's that woman who's who's in um. I hate her. <laughs> she's in the Bride of Frankenstein. I hate her an awful lot. <laughs> you hate her an awful lot. Yeah. Like, uh, she's just and really she kind of like. Or her um or something. What's um, her name? Una O'Connor. Yeah, she kind of like is all of everything I hate about. Like, that old-style comedy, like, rolled up into a single person. Wow. Well, she, like, is large and overacting all the time. And she so has, like, obnoxious voices. When did you when did you realize that you were a misogynist? Um, somewhere, in, some, uh, like, I would say about ten <laughs> minutes into The Bride of Frankenstein. Ten minutes into The Bride of Frankenstein, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think she's that funny either. I agree. She's just too big. She's so distracting. Like, she has to, like... She takes too much focus away from everything. Yeah, I actually don't know which movie she detracts more from. The the, the tone of she like she's very cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. Like I was gonna, I was gonna, I was just about to say that I think she's worse than Bride of Frankenstein. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, well, she's really not. Like it's this movie is as serious as Bride of Frankenstein is for much of it. Yeah, and I mean, she's this in is, this one way more. She's a lot. Yeah, she's in this one way more. So the the plot is is pretty simple. Uh, a chemist named uh, uh, Jack Griffin gives himself invisibility by uh, ingesting a compound, in- which includes a Indian flower or something named monocane. Yeah, which is uh, bleaches out the color out of you, apparently. Yeah. So in this case, it bleaches out your everything. Yeah. Somehow removes. Um, the ability it makes I guess it makes it translucent like completely translucent yeah um it all but it also drives you it does it gives you severe brain damage it drives you insane well yeah I mean you bleached yourself till you couldn't be seen yeah <laughs> there are negative side effects just putting that bleach right into the bloodstream <laughs> yeah so so the man named Jack Griffin uh su- successfully makes himself invisible um but also drives himself insane Yes, and he he, the opening of the movie is him searching for a cure, uh, where he encounters uh, Uno O'Connor, and uh, the other other, other villagers. Yeah, and and this I think, I feel like James Whale has a has like a particular, like beef with uh, the small town mindset, because <laughs> it's something that comes up in Frankenstein as well. Yeah, how obnoxious, how like I don't know, small minded. I guess is the, is the term. Right, he thinks they just they don't are. understand anything. Yeah, you know, and what that happens is is the the villagers and and the innkeeper and the town of Ipping and Sussex. They just um, like <laughs> hound hound him into going even further down the crazy town. Well, you know, he just wants his privacy, and then they just like get up all in his business. Yep. Now, granted, he's he's kind of on the edge to begin with. Yeah. So, but yeah. So and and that's when he finally he snaps completely, and I think he believe he gives up looking for a cure, and just uh, decides to just start his reign of terror. Yeah, he decides I can just rule the world instead of looking for this cure. Yeah, he's gonna. It was a great bit. Um, this now this isn't going to be an easy one to edit because I know exactly the bit of audio I'm going to put in the beginning, which is his part about his his bit about his uh, reign of terror, where he's going to start with a few murders here and there. 
a few little people, a few big people. Yeah. That, that stuff. Just yeah. to make it seem nice and random. <laughs> yeah. Just just let them know we don't discriminate. Yeah, that's what he... Something like that. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the, it ended up going badly for the Invisible Man in the end. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, as, is, as is common, uh, we learn that to play God ends tragically, and he is killed. Um, and there's also other stuff. There's like the subplot with the uh, his his lady love Flora, yeah, who is also the daughter of his old employer. And then there's his rival, Doctor Kemp, who he torments throughout the movie. Yeah, um, who he's kind of he tries to make him his unwitting sort of associate. Yeah, yeah. his uh, the Visible Man, who is Invisible Man. Yeah, well, he was also going to make him an Invisible Man too. Oh yeah, okay, sure. So they sure. can take turns. Yep. Just gonna. Got a little monocane party. I mean, hey, just a, it's a tiny one. Party for two. Party for two. Um, so aside from the uh, humor, the the be- the most interesting thing about this movie is probably the uh, special effects. The special effects in this movie are great. Yeah, special effects are great. Uh, this is the part where he unwraps his own bandages, which is pretty. Good. Which is like well done. Yes, very well done. Very, a very striking scene. It actually, if you consider that it was done with practical effects, um, then it's very impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive, and it remains impressive to this day. It doesn't look bad at all, even even watched today. No, I, like I looked at, it, I'm like I, I'm like did they used a green screen, like, but obviously they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. I so, looked it up after, and I, I guess they had him wear a velvet bodysuit, and then just took two shots and matted him out in one of the shots. Yeah, so it looks really good still. It does look really good. I mean, most of the, the like Invisible Man effects of him like throwing things around work pretty well. Yeah, I mean that's more obviously done with wires, but still yeah. it's fine. But there's but, a, there's a couple of bits where he's partially invisible, or he's putting stuff on or taking stuff off, and that's a lot better, a lot more yeah. interesting to see. But it looks like even with when it's done with wires, it looks like it's reasonably done by a person. Like yeah, it moves with the sort of natural weight of a person. Yeah, picking something up, it doesn't look like it's flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his voice, like, his voice acting throughout that part was pretty, like, while he was invisible, it didn't feel, it felt like he was still sort of part of the scene. Yeah. Yeah, Claude Rains uh, plays the Invisible Man. Uh, he's uh, a notable horror actor, although I don't think he's in any other movies that uh, are we're going to talk about in this 1930s block. Um He's also in The Wolfman. He plays The Wolfman's father. He just plays a lot of parts throughout. He plays The Phantom <laughs> of the Opera. And the uh-huh. 1946 Phantom of the Opera. I believe it's 1946. Play- places, where, I guess, characters where they cover his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I, I think this was one that they were uh, reluctant to... There was leading men were reluctant to take the part because there wasn't any you know close-ups. Yeah. You don't get the soft lighting until the end when you're a corpse. Which, I mean, it looked, that part also looked pretty good. Yep. Is the corpsifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a sequel to this movie. That, I mean, there's actually multiple sequels and remakes and stuff, but the immediate sequel actually stars Vincent Price. As, oh, uh, like, like... The Invisible a... Man Returns. He, he, he is an innocent man. I have never seen it, but it seems like it would be good because Vincent Price is the kind of voice made to uh, play the Invisible Man. Made to just be a voice? Yeah, he's got a very distinctive and uh, notable voice. 
So that's definitely on my. That might, if I ever get around to doing a nineteen forties uh, series on this, that would probably be at least something I would watch to consider. And then there's always like, so my overall, I think this movie is kind of like, it's like all right. Yep. I think it hit lies too much on the comedy. It yeah, this, the section is just probably too long. Just too, too much of it. And I think th- this is very this is a real like visual showpiece. I really like the way this movie looks, and I love the look of the Invisible Man. Yep. I think like in terms of like costuming, it's one of the few costumes that you can never really improve on. Yeah. I think it's pretty much perfect as is, mm-hmm. and it's been used constantly. Yeah. There's just there's something really strong and evocative about those like the black the you know, pure bandages and the big black glasses mm-hmm. which what kind of glasses are those because they look really weird I don't know they have like those weird like side lenses yeah I know what you're talking about I think they're just specifically built for people with light sensitivity or invisible men yeah <laughs> I haven't seen many invisible men so I guess I just don't see many I see I mean you see like you see I usually see elderly people wearing them oh I guess I could be seeing a lot of invisible men like all the time <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's just one of those, one of those. Uh, it's man's eternal riddle, you know. Yeah. How many invisible men are in the room with me? Invisible five. Men. Five. <laughs> it's just always five. That's horrible. No more, no less. Yeah. So aside from like, like he just he was kind of like a little, he went insane, but almost like a little comically insane. Yeah, that might you think he was over the top? Oh, he was a little over the top. Mm-hmm. His his turn was pretty fast and yeah. pretty hard. Well, to be fair, they wouldn't leave him alone. I mean, yeah, they wouldn't leave him alone. They kept bringing. They didn't knock. They didn't knock politely. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. They didn't. Yeah, he turned really quickly. He and did. That, he did. He did. I agree. I found that a little. A little a little strange, and then, like, his reign of terror was, you know, not the most terrifying reign of terror. No, I mean, I mean, well, because realistically, he's just one guy. Like, invisible or not, what is he really going to do? Right. I guess he can start killing world leaders and stuff, but I don't know how that's going to get him in charge of anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it isn't. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, the, uh, it's the delusions, it's the rambling delusions of a monocane addict, or a monocane user. Yeah. And it's just, you know, a little bit too much time is spent on, like, the bumbling townsfolk and, like, this couldn't possibly happen. Yeah. And also, I think too much time is spent on the uh, the love interests as well. Oh, like that side plot? Yeah, and all that stuff. Like, like I felt like the character of the, almost as, like, three extra characters in that, and I love, and those, out of those four, out of those five. <laughs> you know well there's like there's the invisible man yep and then there's the other doc Kemp yep and then there's all his extra characters in it yeah exactly exactly well I guess his employer is technically not an extra character I mean I think you could probably sort of smush him and Kemp together yeah you know Kemp could be his Kemp could have been his employer or they could just be working together yeah I mean it doesn't matter you know <laughs> It's just, I mean, I understand the reasoning to have give him a love interest. It just, it, to me, it didn't it didn't really add anything. I guess the, the, the there was some poignancy at the end, the, the the literal ending scene. 
It give him it gave, try to give him like a chance at redemption. Yeah. But then that contrasted too strongly with just well, I guess or proved just how kind of insane he was. Yeah. And that he would swing back and forth so drastically. Mm-hmm. So uh Yeah. So you you you're not the world's biggest invisible man fan, but you uh wouldn't throw it out of bed either? Um I wouldn't no, I might. I might, just a little. Okay. I like the way it looks though. I think it's yep. I think it's a looker. It is a looker. But that's it to me it's the strongest point. I agree. I agree. I think the rest of it is just kind of average. Or passable. Or acceptable. Yeah. yeah. I mean they're like I guess Yeah. I guess it's almost it's only really barely a horror movie. Yeah. It's, it's more of a science fiction movie. Right. The, the Invisible Man is just kind of more of a monster than a... Than, you know, it's got, it kind of turns into a monster movie, just being the, the character of the Invisible Man. Yeah, as opposed to what was probably originally like a science fiction... Yeah, I mean... Commentary. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't I know I've read the Wells novel, but I don't... At the time, I was, I was a lot younger, but I don't remember... Um, if there was some kind of point in social commentary in there, or a particular social commentary, there were. Uh, I have never read it at all, but no. from what I watched of like the little bits, because I was looking to see how they did the special effects. Yeah, and these were sort of mentioning that there was more of a social s approach to the original novel, like the possibility of like he. I guess he wrote a lot of leftist science fiction. He definitely. I knew that. Yeah, for sure. I just don't remember how this one would particularly be that way. Maybe, was, maybe it's the people he meets during this, the, the. And this was supposed to be in the context of, I guess, what invisible, like, not literally invisible man, but you know, people who are invisible to society. Sure. And the damage they can cause if. If ignored. Yeah, and how you? I guess they shouldn't be ignored. I don't remember exactly. I haven't read it. I'm not sure. Mm. Okay. Seems like we've. That's sort of what I've got to say about that. Yeah, I think we've beaten the Invisible Man to death, proverbially. Possibly. Proverbially. I'm not pers- not hundred sure. Hundred percent sure. Can't see him. listening to episode 13 of the goldenhr.com podcast you can visit our website www.goldenhr.com for more information articles and show notes my first ebook is out on amazon it's called all god this year it's all about 1930s horror movies you can check it out if you're interested if you liked our podcast you can leave us a rating or review on itunes if you don't want to miss an episode join our mailing list at our website www.goldenhr.com or you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash all godless here you can follow me on Twitter at the Water Method. I'd love to hear what you think about the show or anything else. You can follow Andrew at Pizza Pranks on Twitter. His website is www.pizzapranks.com. Our theme music is the Swan Lake Dub by Dubology. Next week, we'll come back for episode 14. We're talking about the Old Dark House, which is week four of James Whale January. Thanks for listening again. 
check out our website at www.goldenagehorror.com.